Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Here's our timeline this afternoon. This morning, NFL owners vote to give the competition committee the power to change the pass interference challenge rule if it decides to do it. That would allow coaches challenges in the final two minutes of each half rather than have the booth review the play. Sal Palantonio will join us live with more details coming up. Also this morning, Cam Newton did not throw today at OTAs. Nearly four months after shoulder surgery, the Panthers quarterback continues to rehab. Tight end Greg Olson, however, was back on the field. Well, if you weren't a fan of the way Game of Thrones ended, you can count Aaron Rodgers in your camp. The Packers quarterback voices his opinion as Green Bay also hits the field. They've got company, 14 other teams, 15 total, hold OTAs today. Again, a reminder, that is organized team activities, and you can see the map, the teams that are on the field as we speak. We're happy to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Wendy Nix, Field Yates, Victor Cruz. Lewis Riddick, we will start this afternoon in the Lone Star State. As we mentioned, the Cowboys are among the 15 teams on the field today for OTAs. Ezekiel Elliott did participate. He was also asked about a recent incident in Las Vegas captured by TMZ Sports that showed Elliott shoving and pushing a Las Vegas security guard. He was not arrested or charged. What is your comment on the uh, the video of, of Ezekiel Elliott that surfaced, and, and have you spoken to him about that incident? Uh, I have no real comment uh, beyond just being aware of the situation. And, uh, you know, Stephen Jones spoke on behalf of the organization the other day. Well, Todd Archer covers the Cowboys. He joins us now. Todd, how is Dallas dealing with the latest situation surrounding Zeke Elliott? It's pretty much business as usual here, Wendy. The, the Cowboys going through their second OTA practice of the offseason. Zeke is out here doing everything, the individual work, the teamwork, taking his last carry or last play of each period, 60, 70 yards to the end zone. And as you heard, Jason Garrett would not get, did not want to comment on what happened in Las Vegas, referring to Stephen Jones. We talked to Stephen Jones on Monday. He said this would not impact the impending negotiations for the running back. They still believe him. They have a lot of respect for Zeke, and they want to sign him up long-term. But right now, their focus is on Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott. They would like to get something done with Zeke. But so far, that's where the, that's where the Cowboys are heading, business as usual with Ezekiel Elliott. It's a long to-do list. Several changes, by the way, to the Cowboys' offense. You've got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, Jason Witten is back. How does all of that affect the quarterback, Dak Prescott? Yeah, I asked uh, Jason Garrett that question here today during the press conference about if they have to do more with this offense because of the new faces, even if Jason Ga- Ga- uh, Jason Witten is an old face. But Randall Cobb is here, came in from Green Bay. Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, implementing some changes as his offense. John Kitnett, quarterback coach, really getting on, on Dak Prescott about his footwork and his mechanics and trying to make sure that is straight. So there's a lot to do here, even though this is an offense that Elliott's in his fourth year, Prescott entering his fourth year. That offensive line, the core of that guy, been around for a long time. The receivers still kind of getting used to Dak with Amari Cooper, but there's a lot of work for this Cowboys offense to go through here early in these OTAs 
because they know they have to do a much better job in 2019 if they want to advance further in the playoffs. Todd, thank you. And Victor, I will start with you because we had a chance with Field and Lewis to discuss this yesterday. But look, again, I want to be clear, there were no charges filed. He wasn't arrested. But Ezekiel Elliott has had a history of sort of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Would it give you pause if you were the Cowboys and you were discussing a long-term deal? Um, not necessarily. I understand, you know, where he is. He wasn't arrested. This incident didn't uh, have any legal ramifications. But the only thing I take away from that is the video after watching it, he was by himself. Uh, uh, there wasn't any friends. There wasn't any around him, anyone around him. There wasn't anyone that seemed like he knew or was around for him to take care of him when he's out and about in public places like this, he has to understand that he is Ezekiel Elliott and that no matter where he goes, he needs to have someone there, even if it's just a best friend, a security, a bodyguard, whatever it is, he needs to have someone there to watch him and make, and make sure that he's okay and that he's held accountable for the things that he's doing and that he's in a positive state of mind and that he's in a positive state no matter where he goes. Well, because clearly this could have escalated. It doesn't look like it did. It wasn't pretty, but it could have been a lot worse. And to your point, you want to have the a circle around you to help you make good decisions. Uh, we talked about Kellen Moore, or Todd did just a bit. Has this Cowboys offense done enough? Are there enough pieces in place to be successful in 2019? I don't think there's any question there are enough pieces in place. The offensive line, when healthy, is still one of the very best in the NFL. And Zeke Elliott, despite the fact that he has shown poor decision-making off the field consistently, he's about as productive and valuable of a back as there is in the NFL just three years into his career. Amari Cooper was not like like metaphorically a, diff- a difference maker, actually a difference maker for the Cowboys after being acquired last season. All the weapons are in place. As a matter of fact, you can make the case that the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles might be saying to themselves, we shouldn't just be NFC East favorites going into this season. We could be legitimate NFC contenders going into this year. It's about execution. A lot of it comes right down there to that quarterback, Dak Prescott. For that reason, because you're right, it it does come down to Dak Prescott, but ultimately it will be the head coach, Jason Garrett, who's held accountable. For all the reasons just you said, is this truly, and we've said this before, a make-or-break year for the head coach? Yeah, I would believe, I believe so. And, it, and it's interesting that it's a make or break year when there's a lot of moving, moving parts being introduced to this offense in particular in terms of a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coach. You know, a lot of these young players are trying to get long-term extensions. So there's a lot of pressure on everyone. And with Ezekiel in particular, I just want to add this. When you're talking about having someone around him, right, to help him out and kind of just say, hey, Zeke, we got to go, man. Yeah. We got to go right now. You're, yeah. you're talking about Stephen Jones can say all he wants. Hey, look, this doesn't affect negotiations. And I'll take him at his word. But let's just put it this way. This young man right here is trying to reset the market at running back. We're talking about a guy who you may be looking at paying $14.5 million per year because he's earned it. He's earned it, and you could project that in the future he will continue to give you the kind of production that would justify paying that. So don't tell me, ah, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I, mean, I don't care if he's out in Vegas and having an argument with his girl. You do care because we're talking real big-time money for this young man, and he has to protect himself, too. He has to invest in himself and make sure nothing goes wrong. Exactly. It, he, will, it will be a serious financial yeah. commitment. And he has to understand that he is worth this much. Like, he is worth this much to his team. The, he is a franchise. What mm-hmm. NFL players don't understand, some of them do, most of them do, I hope, is that they are a franchise individually, and they have to treat their bodies and their business as such. Mm. Well, the Cowboys have Zeke under control, under contract, I should say, through 2020. That's because they exercised his fifth-year option. Uh, let's move on down the line here to Cleveland, where, needless to say, these are not your father's Cleveland Browns. They are young, they are brash, and they are on the field this afternoon for OTAs. Not present, though, Odell Beckham Jr. He's been at just one of five 
voluntary OTAs with his new team. Jeremy Fowler made the two-hour trip. He left Pittsburgh, he drove to Cleveland, and he joins us now. So let's go down the list, Jeremy. you got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Duke Johnson, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon. Those are the guys not there. Yep. Of course, it's unfair, but I'm going to ask you about OBJ and what you hear about his absence. Well, Wendy, I can be wherever you need me at any time, driving over here to Cleveland. And the Browns, as of now, I'm told from a source, do not know when Beckham is going to show. They expect him to be at minicamp June 4th. Anything before then is gravy. Now, Beckham has technically been here two days. He showed up the day before the first OTA to get in some film work. Then he was on the field. And then he was gone. But he's made clear to the team he's had a series of commitments, but he will stay ready to go. And just in case there is an assistant coach that keeps in contact with Beckham, they send him video clips of what happens on the practice field behind me. Since his release, Jeremy, from the Buccaneers, Gerald McCoy has been rumored to be of interest to the Browns. Do you hear anything additional this afternoon? Well, GM John Dorsey is always moving around chess pieces, and I'm told the Browns have had positive internal discussions about McCoy. They like him as a player. They would like to make something happen, but they are waiting this out. McCoy's coming off that $13 million salary in Tampa. They would like to see that come down a little bit, but I'm told they also love the idea of stockpiling good defensive linemen. So far, they're happy with Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson pairing with Miles Garrett up front. There might be another one on the way. Jeremy, thank you. We look forward to seeing where you land next. We'll be following along. Uh, all right, look, it, we'll get through this quickly. I, I feel like it, it's voluntary. We know that. But do you have any issues with Odell Beckham, given that it's a new team not being there? Allow me to say this, and I'm going to need a second to articulate it all properly, is that if you're a GM, you're not mad at a player for exercising his right to not be there. It's voluntary, as you stated. There are no repercussions. There's no fines. There's no... There's, there's no punishment whatsoever. At the same time, I am sure that in his ideal world, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, would love to have Odell Beckham Jr. there and are probably not disappointed at him, but just disappointed in the sense that they acquired a player who has been an all-pro wide receiver, who's under contract for five more seasons at top-of-the-market money, yeah, of course you'd love to have this guy around. So there's, again, they're not going to do anything about it. They're not going to pressure him. But sure, you'd love to have him around, Wendy. This is a high-priced acquisition. You'd love to see him in your offense and get some reps. It matters most when the games begin in September. I have no issue with it. I don't think the Browns do. I'm just saying, of course you can be. You're allowed to be disappointed by him not being there. Yeah, well, let me phrase it like this then, Victor. I'll ask you this. Is there a difference? And I, I, I don't know. Is there a difference between OBJ not being there with the Giants a team he's played for, a quarterback he knows well, and the Browns where he's playing with a new quarterback and it's a new system and a new team. Is there any difference at all? Of course, and the biggest differences are just lingo and learning the playbook and learning to hear But Baker. I mean, with the absence, you have a bigger problem with the absence than you would if it were with the Giants. Um, y- yes, I would have a bigger, I have a bigger problem with the absence now than I do with the Giants. A team that he's familiar with, that you're kind of understanding of, okay, he's been there three, four years, he understands the offense, it's the same you know, it might be the same coordinator, the same team. He understands that, which I don't, you know, I don't fault him for not being there during the voluntary portion. But this, with the Cleveland Browns, a new team, a new quarterback, new lingo, little nuances that you would want to learn. I do think 
there's a part of me that wants him to be there for that matter, for that part of it, so he can start, get a jump on the new terminology of that playbook and understand what's being asked of you at this moment in time. Now, B, do I think June 4th all the way up until the season begins is enough time to accomplish that? Yes. But I know from an organizational standpoint, and, and me just being a fan, I would want him to be there to understand and get build that chemistry with Baker and the rest of his teammates. Yeah, you know, the offseason program now has been condensed so much. It's a, it's a joke in the NFL. I mean, it's not an offseason program. I mean, we're in phase three now. We're actually doing 7-on-7 seven on seven and 11-on-11. Eleven eleven. I know it's not mandatory. The only way you get good at play, you know what? You're paid to do more than just show up and play the games. You're paid to win. The NFL is not a participation league. It's a winner's league. Mm-hmm. You get paid to win. You get paid more when you win. Now, I know, hey, you could say, well, as long as I show up and I'm healthy and I do mine, then that's fine. And I'm going to get paid. You know, if the team wins, that's But that's not really what it's about. And see, I love OBJ. He's one of my favorite guys. I love to follow his life, his career, and I'm a fan of his. And I'm one of those people who would love to, like, work with a guy like that. But you need to be there especially for phase three on a new football team where Cleveland's not hoping that they're not hoping they compete. There's people talking about these guys being Super Bowl favorites. You got to be there. Got to be there. Well, I mean, Super Bowl favorites. I mean, you never know. But I mean, content- well, let's just say Super Bowl contenders. The, 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 yeah, no, it's, which is crazy. The Listen, hunt. the Browns haven't had a winning season since I know, but there, there's but legit talk about them being Super Bowl representatives. There's no doubt. There's, 100%. there's no doubt they're being talked I, about I'll in just that. say this. Lewis can certainly speak to this. People who work in the front office, who many of them, I'm not saying they're, 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 pinch, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for pennies on the couch, but there are guys who are making substantially less than any player, you know, even on a minimum salary, who are in that office every single day of the year, who spend barely, they get about five weeks off during the summer to be with their family. So if you have a hard time understanding why they're disappointed when a player who's been off for the past three and a half months is not there, like, and, and again, OBJ is not doing anything wrong. Yeah, right. of course it, you're entitled to the right to be able to. You love to see him out there. You it's just cost, would. And, 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 you know what, and you know what? And, I, and I'm not even. Look, I'll say for, as someone who's done both, who sat in those offices when everybody is gone, yep. and also someone who went through old school office off season programs where I was there every single day for months. It's a couple weeks of seven on seven. Be there. It's. I mean. Right. That's all. We'd like to see. Like, We'd like again, to see. That's it's all. right. His right. Sorry. We want you there. Oh, we, we want, want you working with Baker. Because I want him to catch. And they're going. Look, I want him to go off this year. So Lewis is taking him in the first round of our fantasy league this year. Might. All right. Hold that. Hold mm. that thought. Well, the NFL is busy holding its spring meetings in Florida. The top item: how the league will refine the process of reviewing pass interference. Commissioner Roger Goodell also spoke this morning, and he addressed a number of key topics. Sal Palantonio was there. He is in Florida, and Sal, health and safety uh, were among the issues that were also addressed. A big issue, watershed moment for the National Football League and, and maybe for all the professional sports in America when you think of it, Wendy. Here was Roger Goodell acknowledging that the NFL is going to study medical marijuana as a possible form, an approved form of pain management for its players. It's a study that's going to go on this summer, and Roger Goodell talked about it moments ago. Listen to this. There are a lot of alternative pain medications uh, and, and treatments. And those are the types of things that we want uh, this committee to focus on with medical experts and with medical science behind that. Um, of course, they will look at one of those as uh, what role 
medical marijuana can have in that. Um, that's something that will be part of their studies. I talked to Dr. Alan Sills, the chief medical officer. He told me that study will begin its work. That committee will begin its work, and that study will start to roll out recommendations this summer. And he said one of the things that they have to look at is pain management with the terms of medical marijuana, whether or not you're smoking marijuana to relieve pain management on a Friday and you're playing on a Sunday and how that will affect performance. So this is an important issue. It's something the players have been pushing for years, Wendy, getting the NFLPA to push the NFL to look into this issue. A big first step, Sal. Thank you. Also, a big rules change under discussion. When we left the league meetings in Phoenix, that was in March, pass interference was now a reviewable play per the initiative of the replay official. What changed about today? Well, the owners gave the competition committee uh, the allowance to let them change this rule so that in the final two minutes, the coaches would challenge pass interference, call or not call. Now, I've talked to a lot of coaches about this over the last 24, 48 hours, and they've all said basically the same thing to me. We thought this was resolved when we left Arizona, that the league was going to handle this issue and it wasn't going to be our responsibility. Now, in the final two minutes, if a coach doesn't have a challenge flag, he can't prevent what happened in New Orleans if you're out of a flag. And that's something the coaches just don't want. They don't want to have the responsibility, but the league does not want to have the natural stoppages of play that would happen if it was done in the booth. So they're going to talk about this with coaches on June 5th and 6th, but I've heard from a number of coaches that they don't want the responsibility of throwing the flag in the last two minutes to prevent what happened, like what happened in New Orleans. Sal, thank you. And clearly the the no call, if you will, heard around the world is what spurred all of this. You know, I don't know. I, I'll leave. I'll ask you, you guys, Lewis. We'll start with you. I, this yeah. just seems like a like we're, it's getting messier and messier. But maybe it's just me. Yeah, I, I think I can understand the coach's position here. They don't want to have to sit here and worry about whether or not they still yeah. have a, a challenge left in their pocket to make sure that in the event that something like this goes down in an important football game, well, they're all important. Okay, let's just put it that way. That at the end of a football game, that they don't have the ability to correct what is ob- an obvious and an egregious foul they i mean you heard what south powell just said they thought the league would take care of this and quite honestly i understand the concern about there being too many stoppages of play but to me look i i would probably i, I probably would right now uh fall on the side of allowing the league to go ahead and take care of this so coaches don't have to have that in the back of their mind wondering about will referees get it right here at the end of football games well and all of this designed to prevent what we saw in new orleans sure. right so what the coaches want is for that to automatically be reviewable? Is that correct in the they final want, two they, minutes? Yeah, they, they want the, the coaches to say, the coaches want, hey, if it's inside two minutes, it's on take, the league. I don't have to worry about whether I have three, two challenges left or it. zero. Okay. Right. Now, the problem, I think, hmm. with the league's argument that it's going you know, to slow play down is I don't think the league, if it has control of pass interference reviews within two minutes, is going to be looking for ticky-tacky plays that are on the other side of the action. It's going to be the clear and egregious. So that's why I, like Lewis, side with the coaches here because all of a sudden, like what? it is very conceivable that you could have had two questionable calls early on in the game that would have enticed you to use your your challenge flags, and it would be smart to do it. I just... I really don't believe right. that having the league in charge of it, I mean, they're not going to add like 30 minutes no. to a game. And you don't want no. a situation where, again, where something comes up 
like with the Rams and the Saints, you don't have any challenges. We're Everyone's sitting there looking at it. The league right. is sitting there looking at it going, exactly. yeah, that, I mean, that looks pretty bad. Exactly. You know what bet. I mean? You don't what, want that. What about as a player? What's the perspective there? Because they're the ones going through the motions. You really? just want to get it right, and especially well, yeah. in terms of what happened in that Saints game. You want the team in the NFL to get it right. Something as egregious as that call that was missed you want the NFL to step in no matter what's happening. I mean, this is, this is for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, the greatest show, you know, on TV, in my opinion. So we have to make sure and the league has to make sure that they get it right. So I think I'm with the coaches. If it's in the last two minutes and it's something as egregious as what we saw this past year, let the league handle it so they don't have to worry about calls and, and red flags and things of that nature and get the call correct. You know, I, one, I, one, I get the time thing. I'm sorry, Phil, but it's a little like passing the buck. Like, yeah. Well, you know, here's one one way that I I admire the NBA that I think the NFL should consider mindset-wise is the NBA is willing to concede error and adapt as needed, right? So if the NFL institutes the policy as we thought it was laid out during the March owners' meetings where within two minutes it still would be on the league to initiate reviews, and if we get eight weeks through the season and, you know, on average, 16 minutes being added to a game. Change well, then it. if we have to address it, we'll address yeah, it. Right. Yeah, and, and, and have some trust in your ability to be judicious yeah. and prudent as to be able to determine when something's egregious and when not. Okay, exactly. well, if it's something that's a bang-bang play, look, you just exactly. kind of go, hey, look. The We're not going to sit there. Right. Right. We got that. We'll let the they, they'll let that it go. Yep. When a guy smacks a guy like almost a half a second ahead of the ball arriving, exactly. come on now. Right. You can't just let that go. Sure. No and when the player's laughing about it after the game, like, I got away with fun. Right. Exactly. That you know, smile. Something wrong. Exactly. That smile. 100%. All right. Other items coming out of this week's spring meeting. The league has asked teams to eliminate the Oklahoma drill as well as other high-impact drills. The recommendation comes after data shows a high rate of concussions in training camp. The Chiefs, remember they had the overtime proposal for obvious reasons. That would guarantee both teams a possession in the playoffs. They, they just don't have enough support, it doesn't look like. And that uh, uh, suggestion, if you will, has been tabled. I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's, that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. (laughs) Happy geico Week! Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. Well, the Packers are among the teams that take the field this week for OTAs that have a new coach. In this case, Matt LaFleur. But first thing first, before Aaron Rodgers could talk about that, he needed to vent. This time around about the season finale, the series finale, I should say, of Game of Thrones. You come down to the end and Tyrion says, the person with the best story is Bran. (laughs) Who, by the way, three episodes ago said he wasn't Bran Stark anymore. No, Jon had a better story. Danny had a better story. Arya had a better story. Sansa had a better story. Tyrion had a better story. Varys had a better story. Bronn, a lot better story. Jamie, better story. Xerxes, probably better stories. He's the one that told the Starks, knowing that Sansa would tell Tyrion, knowing that Tyrion would talk to Varys, knowing they'd scheme for Danny's death, knowing that would piss her off, which led her to be the Mad Queen. So he, the entire time, kind of set this whole thing up, and at the end he goes, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to be king. Oh, but why did I travel all this way to be here? No. Look, I, lo- I love the opportunity to be in the show, which... Most people probably don't think I was, but I was there. I love the show, but 
you know, the writers are also doing Star Wars, so I think they might have been a little busy this last season. I mean, seriously, the most animated and detailed I have ever heard, Aaron Rodgers. He rattled off those names, yeah, too, he, didn't yeah, he? Boy, yeah, he had, I, don't even, I didn't even watch Game of Thrones, but I feel like... <laughs> well, now, now you are caught up. I really feel like probably the show's over and you're already yeah, caught up. There you go. Saves me a lot of time. <laughs> Apparently, though, a lot of people were surprised by the ending. No, no, it was right. it was definitely a stunner. Okay, yes. well, let's talk stunners, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, it's a little bit like a, a souped-up bold prediction, but you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> do, they, do we have to be held accountable for these in like four months? I feel uh, like these videos are going to go, come no, back up no, at some. You point. You don't. You can just say what you want to say. It's on tape. Don't let it stop you now. <laughs> Surprising <laughs> endings for 2019 in the NFL. Who who will have a surprise ending? A la Game of Thrones. All right, surprise ending for me. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray brings the Arizona Cardinals to 500. I think his skill set, the things he brings to the table, uh, along with the you know the makeup of that offense right now, I think they can get to 500. I believe in what Kyler Murray can do. Obviously, it's been yet to be seen, but I think his skill set and his intangibles are going to bring this team to 500. And who knows what happens after that? So it's 68 and eight. Eight and eight. Even I can do that math. Okay. (laughs) Lewis, mine, Carson Wentz. Is the 2019 league MVP? No, Uh-oh. he can't be because Say I have it with some and and he becomes the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, over 35 million per year. And this guy sets career marks in terms of passing yardage, yards per attempts, completion percentage, passer ends. rating. I think he's just going to have a breakout year, Wendy. Okay. I think the table is set for him. They have gotten him some tremendous weapons, two good running backs, an all-pro tight end, very, a very good, very good diversification in terms of wide receiver group. He's going to blow it up. All right. Remember when the Vikings were supposed to make the Super Bowl last year and didn't happen? This year, the Vikings make the Super Bowl. This team's roster is largely the same as what it was last year, only a bit healthier, including Dalvin Cook, who hopefully is true to form throughout 16 games. Mike Hughes, the first-round pick last year, he tore his ACL, essentially a non-factor in 2018. Mike Zimmer, still an outstanding defensive mind, and I think the hiring of Gary Kubiak is going to pay off in a major way for that offense in terms of finding the best fusion of talent and scheme. What about yours? Andrew Luck, MVP. First player Ooh. to be comeback player of the year and MVP. So Carson well, Wentz How can trouble. he be MVP when Carson's that's, No, no, he's going to – Carson won't be. He can be the MVP <laughs> when Carson leads the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Oh. We're going there, are we? Can we write huh? I slid it in there. I take that back Somebody about not being held listening? accountable. Is anybody in my ear listening right there? Yeah. <laughs> I take that back. I we are now holding all of us accountable. I just that's changed right. the rules. This footage okay. is coming back I'm so like, quickly. I already you know what? I, look, I just filtered. I almost, I'm just going to carry on. Okay. Uh, now for Roger's thoughts uh, on his new coach and, of course, what that new offense might look like. Now that we got Game of Thrones out of the way. I can't say I'm an expert of this offense at this point. Um, it's going to be a work in progress throughout the OTAs and, and minicamp, but uh, it's been a fun challenge to you know study more in the offseason. Most of the times I check in the tee sheet to see what my tee time is in the afternoon with John. But now you know I'm, I'm spending time uh, watching my iPad, studying my iPad at night, studying my notes, and, and trying to come in here prepared every day because uh, you know it's important that uh, I can lead uh, from an aptitude standpoint with the offense even if I still don't understand the intricacies of certain reads or, or concepts, um, being able to, to get guys lined up in the right spot is uh, you know, an important part of my job. We've had a lot of good conversations, and you know, I think we're growing together. And um, you know, the more that we can, more time that we can spend together, I think uh, we'll have a better feel for each other. But certainly, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun up to this point you know i'm not worried about the development of the relationship it, it's uh it's gonna naturally get to where it needs to go 
So I feel like it should be a game, like get your soda out and you, you take a sip of soda every time we talk about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and their relationship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a reason for that because we will talk about it often because it is paramount to the success of this team. Look, everything they said, you know, is but, what it is. Uh, Pretty straightforward, but. I, was, I don't mean to jump, jump go, your turn It's funny because you said, you said, you know, you feel like we should, that the relationship is paramount. It's funny because Aaron Rodgers just said, I'm not really worried about the relationship. Yeah. Well, he said the development of the, the relationship. Well, still, I, I would, but still, still that it'll, you know, that it'll happen naturally. Yeah, it's, just, it's just interesting to hear but, that, hear him say that, that he's not really concerned about that, that he's really just locked in on learning the offense. Because I personally, I think you may have heard me say a few times, I'm a big believer in relationships between mm-hmm. play caller and, and, uh, and quarterback. Look, there's a lot riding on this team offensively, given the fact that their number one free agency acquisition on the offensive side of the ball was, in fact, that head coach. Yep, exactly. They made All their investment was made on the defensive side of the ball, which they were pretty strong last year, and they have, now they have fortified it, especially from a pass rush perspective. Yeah, and he's definitely got to get some work in with those wide receivers, especially understanding that coming in, how important... Uh, it's funny to hear Aaron Rodgers talk about how important these OTAs are, because he has to get acclimated with some new wide receivers. He has to get acclimated with the new offense. He has to get acclimated with his new offensive line and things like that. He has to get acclimated all over again when learning a new scheme. So it goes to show how important OTAs are with a, you know, with a relatively new team and getting, to, getting used to some new players. You know, I can't speak a ton to the relationship as of this juncture. I haven't even had a full padded practice or anything. But one thing that is sort of clear is that Aaron Rodgers just sort of feels refreshed right now. Like that commentary we've seen, and I get it. He's talking about, you know, a television show and not football. He's still a little more relaxed. Still seems to get a little more energy about him. And I think maybe it underscores the point that somebody can have a great run of success. And Mike McCarthy has had a great run or had a great run of success for the Packers. Led him to the Super Bowl probably be remembered as one of the great Packers coaches of all times one day. Um, but sometimes a new voice can go a long way. It can be a really impactful thing, and it feels like that new voice, there's a certain, I guess, energy throughout the organization that you've heard other players speak about as well that seems to be permeating right now and bodes well because as bad as last year went, the Packers, I know I just, I just crowned the Vikings NFC's champs and the Bears are the real deal. The Packers can be right back in the mix here with all that talent on defense. What's cool, though, about, about Aaron here is, look, and he, he's taken a lot of shots for, many, for a number of different reasons, whether you believe him or not. But, you know, is that he is already expressing just how important this is to him, to his development, to his taking his game to another level, that it's OTAs, it's off-season work. I need to be here. Yep. I'm with a new coach. I'm learning a new system. These are the things, like, like when new players are going into new systems like that, to me, it just seems like instinctively it would be automatic. i got to be here. I know yeah. I don't have to well, be here. Well, it goes here, back to what exactly. we were talking about. But i got to be here, right? I mean, and that's, that's kind of what I'm kind of yeah. drawing exactly. the comparison to. Yes. Right? See what you're yes. doing. Same thing with those. No. See, I, exactly. you're, you're sharp, Wayne. Yeah, with, I know. Nothing gets past <laughs> you. Know, I, just saw, I just saw comments from exactly. Kyle Rudolph, the Vikings tight end, who a lot, there's been a lot of discussion about him possibly being cut, maybe negotiating an extension. This guy's been there, done that, an important part of that team and that community. He didn't have to be there yesterday, but he made his flight Get there on time yesterday from New York. We had an obligation to get back in time for OTA. He said, that's what leaders do. Yep. I'm a leader oh. of this team, and that's what leaders do. I get it. No obligation, but you still love to see it. Funny you say that. Let's talk about another player with another new team. The Oakland Raiders, among the busiest teams during the offseason. Today, another opportunity for that team to get back to work on the field this time. And although Antonio Brown has spent time in the Bay Area since he signed with the Raiders, he was not on the field for yesterday's workout today in question. 
he's not here today. Hopefully we'll see him here in the next couple days. He's been working extremely hard learning our offense and um, really excited to get him out here. Can you touch on the relationship between no. Derek Carr and No, I'm not going to get into the relationship business. You know, I think Brian, uh, Brown is a great guy. I love having him here. Derek's a great guy. Uh, you can't rush a relationship. You just don't have a great relationship in three weeks or, or two months. Something that you got to earn and you got to really work at. And uh, that's why it's important that we spend time together. But I'm a little worn out with all the, the relationships and, and, and all, the, all, the, all the things that really don't matter right now. Okay, I'm changing the soda drinking game to relationship. If you hear relationship, <laughs> you, take, you take some soda. Okay, day two, though. How about this? This is from the Oakland Raiders. They don't care, they say, but they did put this out today, which makes me think that Antonio Brown is along for the ride for OTAs today. There we go. So There you have it. There you have it. One day absence, back uh, on the field. One day, back on the field. Apparently, we, we should yeah. add that there was a legal matter he had to attend to yesterday mm-hmm. back in Pittsburgh. So now he's there. And Look, I, I will say this. Antonio Brown has been out there, uh, at least we've seen from, from social media, since really since he signed with the Raiders. See, the one thing you don't have to worry about with Antonio Brown is the effort, the work hard. Oh, yeah. The guy is an absolute freak. He lives to work out and obviously lives to work and refine his craft. And he's always, even when he was clamoring for a new contract in Pittsburgh, the approach that he took, not this past deal, which obviously was negotiated with Oakland, but the deal before this was to be there for everything. Be there for everything and show that good faith and hope that a deal would be rewarded uh, or given to him. And he did. And so I would not be surprised if going forward for everything optional mandatory, he's there for the rest of this offseason. Yeah, his work ethic reminds me of Odell. Like, when you see him on the field, practice, games, whatever the case may be, he's running from here to there, whether it's a special teams period or offense, defense, he's doing something. He's active, which means he loves the game, and he loves to always get better. They never want any idle time because they want to get better, and I think that's what A.B. brings to the Raiders, that work ethic, which has never been in question with him. So it's good to see him there and, uh, and taking care of business. During his time at Pittsburgh, every coach that I've talked to said he was the number one worker on the team. Mm. That video kind of supports it. And what that video right there reminded me of was my rookie year with the San Francisco 49ers and going to camp and watching mm-hmm. Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Jerry Rice, every single thing he did, you're like, man, it's the first day of pr- and he is 100 miles an hour, and that's what Antonio looks like as far as how he approaches playing the game. And that's what people need to remember. And we've all been hard on Antonio, but when he's on the football field, look, you better strap up because this guy is bringing it, yep. practice or not. Yep. And you have to give him, you have to respect him for that and give him his credit for that. Well, speaking of relationships, uh, John Gruden was being asked about Antonio Brown and Derek Carr, I believe. Derek Carr also has a relationship with his team and with John Gruden. Now, he did say... He never thought the Raiders would draft a quarterback during the offseason, but he also said he was candid about the fact that he didn't like that constant swirl of speculation and that it irritated him. Honestly, it got annoying after a while because I'm like, like, literally, they don't have nothing else to talk about. And I didn't help the situation, trying to challenge people to fights. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But to be honest with you, they tell me good, bad, and ugly. Like, we are always on the same page because that's what our team needs. That's what the good organizations do. And so from the beginning, I, I'll say it this way, man. We, I talk, met with all of them, talked with all of them. When I watched the draft, there was like negative 47% chance that they were going to draft somebody in my mind. Let's just get through this year first, and then we'll, we'll play that game again. And I'll have, probably have some more fun with it, but I'm not going anywhere. This is my team, and it will be for the next however long I want to play. 
I, you know, I like everything he said. You can't Me blame too. him. I mean, I I, for once, it just is what it is. Of yeah. course it bothered him. Yeah. He didn't help, but who would? And, and it's his team for now. You know, the good thing for him is that everything is in his control now going forward. Mm-hmm. If he plays well, they don't draft a quarterback next year. Fair they enough. don't sign a quarterback next offseason. It's in your hands now. Like, Josh Rosen, I don't think that it was in his hands whether he, he was the Cardinals quarterback going Great into this point. year, right? I mean, everything around him crumbled. But no matter what he did, Kyler Murray was viewed as the guy that would make Arizona more successful going forward. For Derek Carr, it's all in front of you, man. And he's got – maybe it's somewhat flawed, but this offense has so much more talent compared to what it was. I, you know what? I, I'll tell you what. I, I would not even use the word flawed for this offense. Look, I would say – I was going to say this while you were sitting there talking. The table has been set for him, unlike many other quarterbacks, yeah. where you're sitting there going, if I was one of those quarterbacks, I'd be like, hey, maybe you let somebody else play until you get some more people yeah. in here I can throw the football to. They have done a tremendous job of fortifying the skill positions and giving him weapons and diversification in terms of those weapons, different body types, different types of skill sets. And they have a young running back that is just going to, like, I think, just burst onto the scene in Josh Jacobs. Look, this is on John now to kind of just put it all together, get Derek to continue to play consistently. I think the Raiders are going to be a surprise football team. I really do because 1-53, what the final 1-53 looks like, I think is going to be very competitive. I think as a, as a football player and as an athlete, this is what you want if I'm Derek Carr. All the yeah. balls in your court, you have the decision to make to put your best foot forward with this team that has been put in front of you that's really freaking good. So you go out there, everything is on you. All the onus is on you to be great. All the onus is on you to make every throw, every pass, be diligent in the meeting rooms, understand where your receivers are, get on the same page with those guys because they're going to be the ones to take you to the promised land. And this team, which is your team, which is what you said, is going to be the team to take you to where you need to be. So this is an important year for him as an athlete and as a person, and um, and I think he's going to crush it. I think Field makes a great point. I mean, it's a, a helpless, hopeless feeling when you have no power over a situation. Mm. You know, when yeah. you feel like it's a foregone conclusion, when there's nothing you can do to change things, he is not in that boat. He's in a very different situation. It's hard not to pull for Derek Carr. I think he's a good guy. Sure. Mm-hmm. like to see him succeed, and if he does, he'll be the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Simple as that. Absolutely. Throwing touchdowns to Hunter Renfro, who I know it's been said 100 times. 101! You're welcome. Babysat by Wendy Nix growing up. Thank you. <laughs> he I'm owes all his touchdowns to you. Yeah, he does. You're welcome. Wow. Good day for you today. Indeed, few teams have been busier than the Browns this offseason. They promoted Freddie Kitchens to head coach. Under his tenure as interim OC, Cleveland had the fourth-ranked offense in the league. Then that offense got a huge boost in March. Odell Beckham arrived via trade in NFL history. Only Julio Jones has averaged more receiving yards per game than OBJ. John Dorsey didn't forget the defense, boosting the line with Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. They'll team up with Miles Garrett, who had 13 and a half sacks last season. And the Browns took a flyer on Kareem Hunt, the former rushing champ, will serve an eight-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. All right, all right, all right. We should say the Browns are on the field today for OTAs. OTAs. Mm-hmm. They're voluntary. Odell Beckham not there. He's been there one out of five times. But voluntary. We'll get there. Voluntary. I know. We, an underscore, asterisk, <laughs> all go. of it. Listen, they've got a lot of new pieces. they got a lot of parts to this puzzle. Yeah. 
Let's rank them. What matters most for the Browns' success? Yeah, you know, it's given five different categories in order to rank an order of importance to their success. So there's a number of different categories you could make, but we we picked these five. Wait, are we going five? We're going to go five to one. And one of the categories was Browns running backs. I like that. And I think everybody knows that running backs are important, but they're interchangeable. You can get tremendous value on the open market and free agency and the draft. But I'll tell you this: the Browns are going to have two studs when they're both ready to go. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is a beast. He's a beast. You saw that last year. You know that Kareem Hunt is a good football player. When he returns from suspension, this one-two punch, Victor, is as good as any in the NFL. No, I agree. I think these these two running backs, especially the one you just mentioned, is going to be essential in the importance of the Browns' success, and we'll see, what, see where it takes them. It's funny. It gets lost sometimes because we're talking about... That one four. right there. And but people are going to go, people are going to say, what? Yeah. Why four? is he down here? But you'll see the, the method of my madness as I move along here. And look, Odell, there's, there's no question about this. Odell Beckham is going to be an integral part of their success. They have some tremendous weapons even without him. He's just like the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of the cake. And that's why we talk about him so much as far as should he be there, shouldn't he be there, because he's going to put him over the top, I believe. There's no doubt he's going to have a tremendous impact on Callaway. He's going to have a tremendous impact on Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, and Baker Mayfield himself, who we're also going to talk about here soon. He's, he's got to be in that top three somewhere. He's going to have the biggest impact. That's why I think he's <laughs> higher on this uh, list. You think Odell should be higher than I think four. he. I have him swapped here. I have him number three. And I have him, and I swapped. But, uh, well, who's number, number three? three? I mean, what do you have what, at number what, three? What position what? did he play? Obviously. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, uh, but, hey, but I mean, you Zeke, have to. What you position have to did you play? Like, hey, but you know what, Wendy? You know, I'll tell you what. The defense is going to get off the football field and get the offense more cracks at it, so they're more important, so he can do his thing. Now, I'll say this though: the Browns, their front seven is going to be. Just absolutely brutal if all these guys realize their potential starting there with Miles Garrett. And when you factor in Sheldon Richardson, when you factor in Olivier Vernon, and I'll tell you this, if they add Gerald McCoy also, look out. They've got some playmakers at the linebacker level, and they've got Denzel Ward in the secondary. They're loaded. Well, we say Gerald McCoy because since he was released by the Bucks, that's right. He's rumored to be potentially landing in Cleveland. That's right. We'll Potentially. Okay. This defense is stellar, though. This defense definitely has some ballers and some playmakers, but it won't matter if you're giving Odell the ball and you're scoring 40 to 50 points a game. Defense won't matter. Spoken oh. like a true yes. new age. That is. That is. That I'm going to call you on that one. 40 to 50. Right, where's Baker? Is he one or two? Oh. Be one. Oh. I'm going to put him at number two. And I'll, oh, I'm not going to tell you why okay. you know, number one is what it is. But, look, there's no doubt. He's going to be the guy who's the engine. He's going to be the orchestrator. He's the on-field orchestrator of this entire operation. He's the center point. That's why he was the first pick in the draft. That's why last year you saw when he started playing, all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns didn't look like the old Cleveland Browns anymore. There was, there was no more talk about them being the mistake by the lake anymore. The Browns are back. This guy is dynamite in all facets of, the, of quarterback play. And he's going to be, without a doubt, he's the man behind the wheel driving this entire bus. Mistake by the lake is so rude, by the I know. Hey, I used to live there when they used to call it that, so I don't like it oh, at man. all. I don't like that. Me neither. All right. They're not anymore anyway, so hey, it won't be a problem. Believe me, and I'm, a brownie, I'm a brownie at heart, so trust me, one. I didn't like that. Hey, it's Freddie Kitchens. Okay. Well, above no, Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Okay, tell he, me why. he now is the one who's going to be charged with getting all of these explosive personalities, explosive athletes, particularly on the offensive side of the football, to show up, to practice, to buy into his system, buy into his training methods, buy into his teaching methods. He's going to be the one who, when things 
inevitably go awry at some point in time. He's got to bring them back together. He's got to bring the coaches together. He's got to keep it all moving in the right direction because John Dorsey has delivered. Now it's up to Freddie to now put it all together and build a team out of all these different parts. First of all, let me say I think the Browns will be successful, but... It would not be the first time we've seen an outstanding roster assembled only to fall flat because they could not function as a unit. There you go. I almost so compare I, him I agree to, like, being – I'm not comparing him to Phil Jackson per se, but almost a Phil Jackson-esque where he has to manage Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Oof. You have to manage all of these egos and personalities. That's a tough job for Freddie. Just Kitchens. so you know, Victor Cruz said Freddie Kitchens is Phil Jackson. Don't do this. And that the not, Cleveland they, Browns are the Chicago Bulls. That's exactly what, That's what he said. said. No. I'm kidding. Oh, no, that, that, the pieces that, are in place. It yeah. will be a fun watch. I believe it will yes. be fun to watch. I know there's Cleveland. going to be people going, Odell, four? Come on. Well, that was that was, that was, that was I, me. I love All right. Odell. <laughs> Kitchens, by the way, the Browns' 11th head coach since 1999. That's a lot. Right now, though, it's time to go inside the headlines. And our first coming from the Sacramento Bee, Jimmy Garoppolo making his ACL comeback, threading it, their words, at 49ers OTAs. Phil, what's the plan? Obviously, it's a long way back for a torn ACL for Garoppolo's return. Yeah, still on track for most participation in training camp. The reason why you saw him participating in seven-on-sevens yesterday and not fellow ACL Recovery Club member Jarek McKinnon is because Jimmy Garoppolo's not getting hit by anybody. He's not running around. So, still on pace, still on track, no concerns there. And obviously, we talked about yesterday. A major year ahead for San Francisco. Really important to get him back healthy, Victor. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, he's the focal point of that offense, and they need him to be fully healthy uh, to make any type of run this year. But I think it's it's safe. I think they just have to take their time. He has to understand that his knee and the progression of that knee is the ultimate success of this team. So they need to take as much time as possible until he feels good. And when he does feel good, take another week. <laughs> Look, talk, yeah, you want to talk point. about bold predictions. When this trade happened, I thought this would be one of the best trades San Francisco had ever made because of his limited resume in New England, but just how well he played mm-hmm. and how smooth I think Jimmy is, how technically efficient I think he is. As long as he can stay on the football field, Jarek McKinnon can stay on the football field. Guys like Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman stay healthy. And Debo Samuel comes along, George Kittle. Think of all these names. Just rattling off. These are very, very good football players, and Kyle Shanahan is a hell of a coach. Sure. He last year with like very, very like second-level players as far as the NFL is concerned, still put up some very good numbers. This is a team, man, there's so much on the line for so many people out here. San Francisco needs to take a jump. They really do, because the rest of that division is getting good, and they have to keep pace with the rest of them. Well, our next headline reading, Wagner will be at Seattle OTAs but won't practice. He's looking for a new deal field. Yep. Final Where do we year, stand? Yeah, final year of his contract right now. He's actually negotiating on his own behalf, so without an agent. Bobby Wagner wants to be at the top of the linebacker market. Here's the rub. The Jets just blew the linebacker market away <laughs> with C.J. Mosley's yeah, contract at $17 million per year. Wonder Nearly wow. $5 million more than Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley, who I think are easy the two best linebackers in football. Does Seattle get above that $17 million number, or does that C.J. Mosley contract remain an outlier for a little while? That being said, after trading away Frank Clark, they are financially flexible right now to commit to Bobby Wagner in the same way they committed to Russell Wilson. Why don't players do do more of that? 
attend and show they're there but not practice in an effort to, to not get hurt? I think it's kind of weird from a from a teammate perspective. It's like, okay, you're here, you're around us, we're chucking it up, but you're not in the battlefield with us. You're not practicing with us. You're on the side. On the, You know, last time I saw this was uh, was O.C. Umanura, and I was a young first, second-year player guy, and he was over there going through his negotiations with the Giants, but he was present, but just on a bike, like two fields away. It's mm-hmm. almost like... Do you even want him there? Is he even there? That's an interesting you know perspective. I, mean? I, I I just assumed it would be the opposite, that you'd, I don't know, that it would be some sort we of show guy, of good faith that you're there. We want the guy to come in. If you're there, you're there holistically. If you're not there, go handle your business and come back, and we'll figure Fair it enough. out. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, you know, it's funny. The, the game has become so business-centric, and mm-hmm. injuries are so magnified the now. Are so high. Exactly. So players very much so are going to err on the side of caution and protecting themselves and their investment Absolutely. in themselves. And look, Bobby Wagner. It's funny. I'll just tell you a funny story. Look, this is the one guy I think in my scouting career, I'm embarrassed to say I missed. Mm. I never. I didn't think Bobby would be like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the holdovers. He's not a part of the Legion of Boom itself. But Bobby Wagner has been an absolute dynamite standout player his entire career. I missed you, Bobby. Yeah. We'll give you a pat. You can't win them all, though. He admitted to it. We love it. You're investing in the person, too. And who's a better leader than Bobby Wagner? Great dude. One of the best people in the NFL. Great dude. Unbelievable production. An important yeah. part of that defense from so many ways. I don't know this for sure. not reporting anything. You do wonder, though, if he's there, if he's at OTAs but not participating. You might think that, like, at least they're talking and perhaps close. Yeah. You know, if they were – a golf apart, oceans maybe apart. Maybe he's not he, there like, at all. Don't even bother showing up. Exactly. You know, like, so you would hope that exactly. if you're a Seahawks. They know what they have in him. And they mm-hmm. know that with all the turnover on this They've defense so and how much. some of the other players have left, the guy in the command and control, so you better take care of him. Yep. Overpay one of them. You didn't yeah. overpay Earl. That's right. Overpay now him. It's just a matter of right. They have What's the financial number? flexibility right. to do that. Right. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck sat out the team's first OTA practice session of the year yesterday and again today as he deals with a strained calf. Head coach Frank Reich told reporters that Luck suffered the injury while training with the team, and the quarterback will be re-evaluating uh, heading into next week. But caution is the word of the day. A little inside trading going on there, I think. <laughs> Did the Colts add enough to make a Super Bowl run? They added longtime Chiefs head rusher Justin Houston, boosting a pass rush that ranked 22nd in pressure rate last year. They also signed Devin Funches to a one-year deal to help Luck out. And most of last year's playoff squad is back as Al Woods and Ryan Grant are the only regular starters who departed. As we say hello from the film room brought to you by Verizon. Do they have enough? Do they have enough firepower, Lewis, to get this done? Yeah, I think in addition to those veteran acquisitions, look at what they did in the draft. They have Paris Campbell from Ohio State, who's just an absolute blazer to go along with T.Y. and Funches. On the defensive side, they draft Rocky Sin out of Temple to be one of their starting corners. I think one of the one of the things you're going to want to watch is for an offensive line that was so dominant last year. They have a new offensive line coach. Howard Mudd is back in the fold here in Indianapolis, who I worked with in Philadelphia, who's like the godfather of offensive line play. So they have a lot going for him. Chris Ballard, the GM, has done a great job of getting guys that fit the profiles physically and mentally that he wants. He's very specific about it. The guy is very, very knowledgeable as far as the game of football itself, as far as GMs, are, GMs go. The Colts will be right there as long as number 12 stays healthy. Stay healthy. Here's a name to file away that the Colts love. 2018 draft pick Deion Kane, wide receiver out of Clemson. Clemson's got a long history of producing excellent wide receivers. And, yes, Paris Campbell is going to be a big factor next to T.Y. Hilton. But I think Deion Kane, coming off an ACL injury, should be in a much better spot and ready to contribute. That's a name to just keep in mind there in that indie offense that last year with really no threat at wide receiver other than T.Y. Hilton – still found a way to not only 
make it to the playoffs, but upset the Texans in that first round game. Mm. I think adding another weapon in Eric Ebron was probably the biggest factor of that. I think it, this all relies on Andrew Luck. Yeah. How he continues to play and play at an elite level is going to be the importance of this team and how they progress moving forward and how they look, especially early on in the season and how they continue to go through the ebbs and flows throughout the season. But I think they definitely have enough to contend not only in their division but in the playoffs and potentially the Super Bowl if Andrew Luck continues to play at that high level. Listen, they still have some wiggle room too, over $58 million in cap space. So there's still an opportunity mm-hmm. To, to do yeah, some things. Yeah. That's by far Absolutely. the most in the yeah. league, You don't pay until September. Yeah, That's right. A lot you can and do still. What is it? It's only May. That's right. See? I got that. The Carolina Panthers also on the field among the 15 teams holding OTAs this week, in particular today. Cam Newton, though, not throwing at OTAs. You may remember he had shoulder surgery about four months ago. Here's head coach Ron Rivera. There really is no plan in terms of uh, when to expect to say, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, what they're doing is they're taking it day by day, week by week, and they're evaluating. And they'll just continue to go through the process. There is no time. There is no time frame. Obviously, he was asked about the timetable for Cam Newton's full return. I, I, at this point, I think they're on the side of caution, no, until we get to training camp, would be yeah, my guess? Certainly, that, that, that's certainly the case. This is not player going into his first or second year in the NFL, and um, you know, the Panthers actually have some developmental arms. They kind of do want to get an extended look at. Beyond Will Greer, who they drafted this year in the third round, Kyle Allen, remember, actually played pretty well in stepping in as a late-season starter for them. So if there's ever a time where you can kind of afford to develop some arms, this is it for the Carolina Panthers. It's funny you say that, Lewis, because we always look at this and say, oh, the starting quarterback isn't throwing. And you mm-hmm. forget that there are so many – there's limited reps to evaluate mm-hmm. yeah. guys behind him. And I guess it can be an advantage in some situations. Yeah, there's always a positive that comes out of a negative like this. And I can tell you, look, Will Greer is someone you should be very excited about to see because some of his tape at West Virginia, although it's kind of – it was in an unorthodox offense that doesn't really translate to what you will see on Sundays – Will can throw the football. I mean, Will, Will's going to be a good quarterback. And I can say this. When you talk about social media, and we talk about it all the time here, when you look at Cam's social media, trust me, he's putting in the work. Mm. The guy looks fantastic. And not only does he look fantastic, and although this isn't a discussion about Christian McCaffrey, I can tell you this, too. That guy looks like Captain America. The way he, his <laughs> he, body is. I, I mean, he un- is Captain America. Be- 100%. I mean, this, this football team, they're putting in the work. I, I can't wait to see how this – edition of this offense looks here in 2019. So no no concern then no. for Cam Newton? No, especially not for me. I think I, I got a chance to have dinner with Cam not too long ago, and like you said, he looks fantastic. I asked him about his recovery. He seems to be going in the right direction, and you want to be careful with him, right? He's the focal point of this offense. He's the one that makes the engine go. You don't want to fall into another thing like last year where he's trying to play hurt and balls are diving into the ground. You want him to be performing at his optimal level when it's time to play football, and that's what I think Ron Rivera is waiting for. I had dinner with Cam, too. <laughs> I mean, My I friend did. from college? It was a group yeah. dinner. It wasn't just him and I. It was I know somebody who had dinner with Cam. You do? I do, too. Yeah, right here. I'm sitting Victor right next Cruz. to him. This is on his way to some. <laughs> and I had dinner, I too. Okay. Oh I went to Chipotle last night. We have to call you out. <laughs> we just have to. How about this? J.J. Watt making, making news again after receiving this tweet. He said his class created products and had to use an advertising technique. So one of his students chose celebrity endorsement. And look at who he chose. Smart kid. Yeah, J.J. Watt. So Watt said, all right, I'll do it. And he went to work on a commercial for the chips that this student created. Oh, hello there. 
I'm JJ Watt for the Houston Texans. And when I'm feeling like I'm lacking a little energy, I grab a bag of energy chips. With 50% less sugar, they're nutritious. And only one bag a day gives you all the energy you need for the whole day. They keep me hype. Wow. And they're delicious. Wow. Does let them be a more energy. You should probably eat one. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> I mean, you can't get more. You can't get more energy before you eat one. He said you, said you should probably eat one. Probably eat one first, yeah. buddy. All right, <laughs> listen. I, given, well, when we're not having dinner with Cam Newton tonight, oh, uh, this show gets me hyped. We won't be back tomorrow, to and we'll see what happens. This show, you don't need this. Show show. Gets me hyped. Yeah, me too. I'm hyped. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>